Voice of Hope is the podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ talked about what it means to live with unity and compassion and in the thin places of life. It comes from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Hey, I'm going to start with an old joke. Man comes up on a bridge on a lonely night, cold night, and he sees uh, somebody else that's there, and they're obviously distraught, and they look like they're about to jump. So he ensues with a conversation and asks how, if there can be of any help, and person is despairing at that point, doesn't think there's anything that can be helpful, just feels completely alone, completely isolated. There's not much hope. And then in the conversation, the man who's about to jump talks about it's going to be hard because of just how he believes in God. And the guy says, you believe in God? I, I, yeah. You know, I do too. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, what are the chances two people meet on a bridge on a dark, lonely night, and they're both Christians? And are you Catholic, Protestant? Well, I'm, I'm a Protestant. Me too. This is amazing. Look at this. Where are we? At? What are the chances of this? Uh, so, what kind of what, what denomination? Well, I'm a, I'm a Presbyterian. This is amazing. Here we are, these two people, and we meet on this bridge, and we're both Presbyterians. And what, where did you? What you know? The old Southern Church, the old Northern Church. Oh, the Northern Church. This is amazing. Look, can you believe all the things we have in common here? And then coming out of that, uh, United Presbyterian Church, yeah, yeah, that was us. And then, and then today, and how's that morphed? Are, are you a, a Presbyterian Church U.S. or an Evangelical Presbyterian Church? And he goes, well, you know, Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Heretic. <laughs> Pushes him off. <clears throat> The beauty of this joke is that you can substitute any denomination for it. They have a similar story. The tragedy of this joke is that we do. The tragedy of this joke is that there are 10,000 different versions of someone pushing someone off a bridge because they can no longer fellowship with them, have communion together. 10,000 in the United States alone, 10,000 different reasons that people have split different denominations and affiliations and groupings and fellowships. 10,000 reasons we have been pushing people off the bridge. But I don't want to just talk about church today, because if it was just church, that'd be one thing. But we are part of a world that's doing a lot of pushing of people off bridges these days, aren't we? There are all kinds of reasons that being people are, can no longer tolerate one another, can no longer honor one another, can no longer just be in the same place as one another. Just think of the last couple of weeks, all the different stories that you've read and I've read and heard and we've been part of that, that have been issues in places where people got pushed off bridges, whether it had to do with views on abortion or on race and racism or criminal justice in the way that it is being applied or not. Elections and election laws and all that goes around that. Curriculums, math books for crying out loud. People are getting pushed off bridges around things as simple as that, as amazing as that. Disney. <laughs> we are pushing people off bridges because of the way we look at 
Disney and Disneyland, Disney World. It is to the point where it feels that there is no safe place. There is no place where we can stand and agree that is safe, that we can trust, and maybe we just want to avoid. There are so many few places in this world that we can come and gather. And, and, and all the bridges and all the places where we are supposed to connect with one another, churches included, have become places where we fight for control and they become positions to defend, not places to invite. And we just want to avoid, avoid the whole thing. And all of, this, all of this is the backdrop for the passage today. All of this is the backdrop for the prayer of Jesus this is, in John, uh, the culmination, in a lot of ways, of what the whole book of John is about. We've been looking at the book of John and, and recognizing that John tells a story differently. And the prayer of Jesus on this night before he's betrayed and, and is crucified is a great example. The other Gospels talk about a prayer that's out in a garden, by himself, for himself. John tells the story of a prayer that is done with his disciples, his followers. It's for them. And not just them, but all those who are to follow. Which means this is a prayer designed for you and for me. Anyone, anyone who wants to follow or thinks that there might be something in Jesus worth following, worth paying attention to, should pay attention to this prayer. Because it's got our name on it. And at the heart of this prayer, of all the things that Jesus could be praying for, at the heart of this prayer is I pray that they will be one. If this was just a singular phrase, important, but not all that notable, except that this prayer, this phrase keeps showing up two, three different times. You look at the book of John and this whole idea of one and oneness and come to, and I come to be with the Father and in the Father we are together and we're invited into the life of this together. Oh my goodness, John is this gospel about what Jesus came to do in order to make people one. And if it was just one of those things, boy, I hope they can pull it together and quit bickering and, you know, not fight with each other. That, that'd be one thing. But it's not about what the disciples need to do in order to be one. This is not about attaining. This is not about working. This is about recognizing what is already there when Jesus says, so that they can be one just as we are one. And here is a secret that's worth noting. This is something worth paying attention to. Because the, the model, the ground for unity is not what we can muster up. It, it is not the kind of thing where we all have to agree on everything together. That's, that's fragile. That's, that breaks too easy. That has to be enforced. This isn't so we kind of just turn a blind eye to all the things that we don't like about each other. or, or don't. All those things are real, but there's something that is deeper. There's something that's deeper about you and me. And it's that even as in the life of God, it is one. That is where we find the essence of who we are. There is an illusion. There is an illusion in this world that we began and exist separately. We are different, and the evidence of that is every day. But the story of Scripture and the ministry of Jesus 
is about bringing people back to the oneness from whence we began. Whether it was birth, whether it was the breath of God, whether it was all the other ways that, that, that it is symbolized and, and pictured in Scripture, there is something that is about being one. It is about recovering what's already there. It's about rebuilding what has been broken. And it begins with our connection with God. There is a way to tell this story that what Jesus was doing. There is a way to tell this story in such a way that just emphasizes the separateness, the illusion of separateness. That somehow you and I are so different and so unacceptable to God that Jesus had to come and save us from God and the anger of God. And what the book of John, more than any of the other Gospels, but they all say the same, but more in John than any of the others, it is not about trying to appease an angry God. It is about bringing back the reality of what has already been there, what is so often ignored, what is so often broken, what is so often breached. It's the oneness that exists from the very beginning of who we are. As one person says that Jesus did not come to change God's mind about us so that we would become acceptable and Jesus did not come to change God's mind about us, but change our mind about God. May they be one as we are one. May they, may they experience that same connection, that same organic, that same natural connection. Let it begin there, because if it begins there, then however else it is stressed, however else it is pushed and tested, there is something there from which to build, and it changes not only the way we think about God, but then how we think about one another. Because if we are indeed one, if we, at the very beginning of who we are, if the core of who we are, that we have something, that, that there is one, that that, that is the, the truth about who we are, that we are interconnected, not just because we're part of the same tribe, the same political party, same nation, same family, but because even deeper than that, we, we bear the stamp and the emblem of the image of God deep in our DNA. If that's where we begin, now we begin to live differently. Now we get to be people of the bridge. Now, we're now, now we are no longer there to protect our positions. Now we are there to invite people onto a place that we have found that holds and that can give life. Can you imagine what that would look like? What would that look like? That's the, that's the theme that Joy worked with when she created this next contemplative moment. What would it look like in life? What would it look like in the depth of our soul, the, the, the reminiscence of, uh, of, of how we see ourselves and our life? To begin with the understanding, to begin with the understanding that there is one. And in that, there's a different place to live.
like to live with the understanding and in the context that there is only one. It is our origin and it is what we are becoming again in Christ. Not that Christ created it, but revealed it and is restoring it. It's not a new truth. It's, it's not something that is new. I know sometimes we talk about oneness and and it feels, oh, that must be new age kind of stuff. Well, John Calvin has never been accused of being new age anything. And even in the context of the 16th century world, was able to, to see and remember what this, how we are connected to one another, not by doctrine, not by denomination, not by affiliation, not by our thought, but by our essence. Every person bears the divine image. Every person bears the divine image. And so when anyone is injured, the heart of God is wounded. That's how connected we are. That's how connected and how, how essential this is to how we are to live, not only as a church, but if the church is the R&D, the research and development for what God is wanting to do with the rest of the world, it begins here. We work it out here so that as we work that out, it begins to show fruit in the rest of the world. If that's true, then how do we live? It is something we need to be reminded of, and particularly in the church, it was when he was in prison that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote a letter and he was bemoaning at that time not, not the people who were the segregationists, not the racists. He knew where they were coming from. The letter was being written to a group of pastors who were calling him to task and saying, tone it down, this isn't what we're about. We should be the church. We, we should be a place of faith, not a place of politics, not a place of stirring things up. This isn't helping. And in this incredible letter that's part of the history of our country and certainly part of the history of, of our faith. This letter to be able to say, listen, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And we are caught in the inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. And whatever, whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. That this is what the church is about. This is where we start. This is why this stuff matters. It's because we, uh, our statement of faith is that we begin with and are recovering and are restoring the oneness that we are dying because we don't have. And, and because we keep pushing people off 
bridges and we are more isolated and we are, there is no middle that can hold anymore and it's flying off and there's so much disintegration. When we say that Jesus is Lord and Savior, it is not enough to say of the church, but what does it mean that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world? Is Jesus is the one who has come to reveal, restore, renew, extend the oneness of who we are. As we are one, O oh God, let them be one. May they just see it, may they discover it, may they live into it. And so whether we call ourselves the, the people of the bridge, the bridge people, the images are everywhere in Scripture. And again, you start with the, the breath of God. You start with the common humanity and the common creation. You start with Paul talking about ambassadors of reconciliation. You, you talk about, or Paul talking about the unity in some of his letters. Or the body of Christ, which is another way of talking about that. Or the common cup. The common bread, the one table, the one people. Again and again, once you see it, it's hard to unsee all the different ways that the aching, heartbreaking need of humanity is to find some way to not keep being pushed off bridges, to not being isolated, to not finding more and more reasons to call someone the other, but to begin to see that we belong to one another because we belong to God. And if we do that, if we do that, oh, that changes everything. How do we do that? How do we take the thing that you can't unsee in Scripture and make it visible in our own life? And I had the, I had the privilege uh, last week of introducing somebody who was coming and, and, want, and hadn't been in our sanctuary before. And like everybody else, the first thing they see is, is this cross. And they see this front, and they were taken by it. And then as you look closer, and, and as I was explaining it, I thought, you know, this really, is, this really is a pretty good visual aid for us and how we're supposed to live. It is this cross, this Celtic cross, and, uh, this cross that, that from the Celtic tradition, which is very earthy and uses the common in order to, to discover and live into the extraordinary. Uh, and in that is, and in that, at the very heart of it, the very top at the crossroads is what's called the tricatra. It's it's the three in one. It's the it's the it's a symbol for the the essence of God, love, Father, Son, Spirit. It never stops. It's just this dance back and forth. And in that, in that is this is who God is, and it's in the circle of that cross is the life that never lasts. This this life of God that is love. It never ends. It is a circle, has no beginning and no end. And then there is the knot work. The knot work in the Celtic tradition that we like so much has to do with how we are connected. It's, it's the life of the body. It too has no beginning and no end if you look at it. it it's there too. We are interwoven. We are interweaved with one another. When, <laughs> when Allie was doing the children's uh, discovery time, did you notice one little girl was just tracing her finger? Up and down the knotwork of that table. It has no beginning and no ending either. It just keeps going around and around, and that's on purpose. We are connected. We are interconnected one with another. And our life takes shape and form as it lays on the cross where the life and the love of God showed its final and ultimate form. And our life is takes shape and form and energy as we participate in the life and the love of God. And as we do that, 
we get to become bridge people. And that cross is bookended by the two great commandments, both having to do with love, the, the life and the love of God. Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is not a bad reminder to see every week, is it? This is not a bad way to remember that we are one connected to one of the, that the prayer of Jesus is that we would be one, that we would live into that, we would recover, we would reveal that, we would restore that, we would live into that as we learn how to serve, as we learn how to forgive, as we learn to be generous, as we empty ourselves for the sake of others as we grow more and more in the love of God and let not only let it embrace us but extend through us and it's not that the other things aren't important of course they are doctrine's important orthodoxy is important holiness is important all those but they they take second place to the real essence of God which is God is love and whether it was the same pen or more likely someone who was just saturated in the same school, the same church, the same community from which the book of John was written. In 1 John, let us love one another. Love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Those who don't love don't know God. doesn't matter what else they know because God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. That's the message that John gives us. That's, that's what Jesus is aching for. That's what Jesus is praying for. And as we do that, it's not just for us as the church. It's so that the world begins to see that there's a different way to live. There's a different kind of a hope. That the world will believe that you sent me. Why? Because of this group of people, this research and development group that's going to flourish, that I'm praying for, will expand and grow so that the fruits of their life will be a signal of what God is still yet to do in this world. And then, and then the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them just as you have loved me, that there is a part that we are invited to. There is a bridge that we are in being invited to, where people are welcomed, where we are embraced, where we get to live out and incarnate the prayer of Jesus. Here's my deepest prayer, O oh God. On this night before I go to the cross, may they be one. May they be one like we are one. And in that, may people see, may the world see that and be drawn to that and begin to believe that they are loved just as much. Because here's what's going to happen this week. Chances are you're going to have an encounter with somebody. There's going to be a bridge moment out there this week, maybe this afternoon with someone who, uh, who's different than you. They may believe things different. They may vote different. They may have different values, a different culture different ideas. And it's going to be one of those moments when we decide, are we going to replicate what is the pattern that is so common around us? Are we going to look for all the reasons why we can't, shouldn't, may not associate with all the reasons why we should diminish, demean, or push them off the bridge and all the ways that we do that with indifference as well as hostility? Will we come from a different place today, this week? Will we use that bridge not as a position to defend, but a place to invite to a larger world that gets to the very heart of what God is about, what God is longing for in our life, in our world? Will we make that a place 
of a new beginning. A beginning where as we live this out, we begin to understand more and more what it means to be one as God is one. To love as we have been loved. To forgive as we have been forgiven. To be a part of that God life in such a way that it extends. That more and more we recognize and recover the very prayer of Jesus. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.